0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper.
1: Delighted to be joined for the Culture Club by radio presenter, comedian and actor PJ Gallagher, who has brought out his book Madhouse, which is subtitled The Naked Truth About My Chaotic Childhood Losing My Mind and Finding a Place Called Home, which is a good summary of an extraordinary life story. I thought you were uh, a bit mad, and now I realise that you're actually you're, considering what you've been through. You're completely sane, aren't Oh, I, I thought you
0: were going to say uh, you, you just had it confirmed, uh, no. and I wouldn't have
1: disagreed with you. Um, <laughs> I think you're remarkably sane, given everything that you were brought up from well, in your environment. I think it just shows how little we've met each other
0: socially, <laughs> then. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks. I'll take that as a compliment. But, it uh, is a compliment. It's meant that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, I, I guess I, I, only in the process of actually writing the book did I kind of realise how out of step... It was, or writing the, the original play, maybe, um, was when I kind of realised how odd it was compared to other people's lives. You kind of judge your own life off other people's well, reactions, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah,
1: well, you, you don't know any differently, do you? Yeah. Because you grow up in your environment, and that's what your environment is. But at what stage did you start thinking, jeez, maybe this is a bit different to the way everyone else grows up? Uh,
0: when I started trying to do some of the material uh, in stand-up, and nobody could find any frame of reference to it, I think that was genuinely when I started going, okay, there's something a little bit odd or different to this. Um, When I was in my 20s and says, oh, I'll do stuff about the house when we all live together. And, you know, it was such a a weird, like basically a mental health experiment set up by the state at the time. And I decided I'd try a little bit of that. And people were like, what is he talking about? And it was kind of, that was the beginning of thinking, okay, this is slightly stranger than I maybe gave a credit for. Yeah,
1: because initially it was alcohol fueled, and then yeah. it got to the stage of that when Just explain how your parents took in people from psychiatric institutions, various other places who needed somewhere to stay.
0: Yeah, it was called boarding out. It was essentially an experiment, I think, called boarding out, where the Eastern Health Board at the time decided they'd try and bring people into the community who had serious mental illnesses, and uh, certain houses were chosen where they would make, let these people live in those homes. How was yours chosen? <laughs> because my ma, this, she trained as a nurse um, under a false name, it seems, but that's another story. Uh, but she trained as a nurse, and um, after the pu- the family pub sort of went down because, the, well, basically, I suppose they got high on their own supply to some degree, uh, they decided my ma must have applied to do this, and been somehow being accepted. wasn't much talk about it in our house. We didn't really talk about anything in our house. Things just kind of happened. Um, and you followed your nose with it. So we moved house, I, I was told. And then we got into this new house. And uh, very soon after, these six men arrived. Uh, six men with schizophrenia, uh, anxiety disorders, whatever it was. And they all lived with us. Um, uh, un- not surprisingly, it wasn't the best idea in the world. And it didn't end very well. But uh, it, it happened. So... It was how we grew up.
1: As a teaser for those who are going to buy a Madhouse, why did it not end well? Well, I suppose
0: that it wasn't a great idea of an experiment. So, and you know, <laughs> and, like my dad obviously didn't survive us with his own alcohol addiction problems. Um, I guess my mother battled with it her whole life. Uh, those men went back, I think, to institutions. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's not a sunshine and rainbows. I mean, it's it, it ended okay for me and my sister, but.
1: And you meant you just said there that, you know, there wasn't an awful lot of talk in your house, but you hardly stopped talking. Where did I, that come I from? I don't
0: know. <laughs> I really don't know. It's one of those things I say nothing to the people I'm closest to. And then I sit in front of you with a microphone and I'd say way too much. It's always been uh, or are a characteristic. you quite Are you
1: quiet at home?
0: Are you? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to drag a word out of me when I'm close to you. But, you know, I can sit down next to you or I can sit down to a stranger and go, oh, wait till you hear this. And then he's like sick of the sound of my voice after three hours. <laughs> All right, listen,
1: we get to your Culture Club choices. The book is a terrifically honest read. And I think that thing, as well, has been funny and sad. But the honesty is the thing. I think that'll come out from people very much madhouses, the book. So let's get to your Culture Club choices. Yeah. Your first single. This is a great choice because, actually, as it happens, Joe Elliott did this very spot for us in the Culture oh, Club. No last year. Yeah. Oh, no way. Amazing. All
0: right. Well, that's fantastic because it was Animal um, von, from the Hysteria album. I remember Animal came out. And I was just sort of enamored with that guitar riff and the the chorus of him just screaming, you know, and I want, and <laughs> I need. And when I saw the video, like all the animals and stuff, it didn't really dawn on me at the time. It was just a bunch of lads in Bristol Zoo or whatever it was standing in front of the, you know, the enclosures and and singing in front of them. For me, it was just, there was something so raw and rock and roll and real about I look at it now, it's kind of like none of those things, but it's just a catchy tune. But it was like kind of the... Yeah, it was my first single, you know, it was the one I played over and over and over again on cassette, my first cassette single until it like burnt out and you know, I remember sticking it in Walkman's and remember in Walkman's your battery would start to go dead and and that once it to become earner <laughs> and you would still listen to it until the battery completely died. Uh, so it's just really fond memories of sort of the birth of my own music collection. Def Leppard,
1: Animal.
2: For life
1: The
0: surface comes through time.
1: one of the best first single choices any of the guests in the Culture Club have given us.
0: Really? I thought you were going to get mocked. I thought it was not exactly highbrow, But I'm like, yeah, I'm delighted to hear it. Still, I still remember every word of that song. It's so fresh.
1: It's a great track. No, favourite album that you've given us. Yeah, I'm what, not what, messing. No, yeah. What year were you born? <laughs> 75. So you were two when this album came out.
0: Yes, but I remember uh, the first record player in our house and when we had the record player, we'd no records and one of my uncles left one record and says, you have to play something, and it was Bad Out of Hell Meatloaf. Um so much like the hysteria thing and the animal thing with Def Leppard remember playing it and figuring out where the needle goes and to me it wasn't rock opera to me it was serious rock and roll It's a brilliant yeah. album It's a brilliant album like it goes on a bit uh, and he really loves the sound of his own voice but I think that's kind of the point It's brilliant for karaoke as well it's Fabulous, yeah Too long Every track is too long but it's fabulous for karaoke and Bad Out of Hell and... uh like I don't know, just the whole idea of the word hell being in a song and this giant man and this giant personality. And, you know, it all just felt like, um, I don't know, in a way you look back and it's kind of camping parts and I totally missed that, you, you know. It's kind of like when I was young, I saw men at work and I thought... Know, it's a builder and a cop, and, you know, you don't see the, the campness and the, you know, the silliness and the party behind it. Uh, and I see that now and I, I think maybe the fact that I kind of missed the point a little bit makes me like
1: it even more. Let's hear a little bit from the title track, out of Hell. The sirens
2: screaming and the fires are howling down in the valley tonight. There's a man the shining with the gun in his eye and a blade and no oh so bright.
0: There's evil in the air and there's thunder in the sky and the killers on the bloodshot streets. Born down in the tongue with a deadly horizon. no oh, I swear I saw a young boy down in the gutter, he was stopping to foam in
1: the heat. spit a fat on the hell we've ever played on the radio <laughs> I am just
0: thinking you'll never I'm <laughs> wondering how much you'd fit in I'm such a cheese ball as well when I leave here I'm going to be on my motorbike and I swear I'm going to have that in my
1: ears all the whole way home it's a terrific album ok favourite bands you've given us a couple one of them we actually last week we were did an item on our music spot about drinking songs right and there was one from the Dead Kennedys which we will not mention which we could not put on I know what you're talking about Yeah, yet. we leave it to those who know their music you yeah, know what too we're drunk talking. is about how much is you can say it's, that's as far as we go yeah. with that or everything but tell us a little bit about
0: how you got into the Dead Kennedys so I was uh, still listening to sort of you know the lighter end of rock and roll I guess and a guy called Lee McGrath came into school and his brother had the Holiday for Cambodia uh, tape and he put that on and I never it blew my fresh fruit for rotten vegetables and Holiday to Cambodia I think is on that album and he Played me that album and it blew my mind. You know, the wistful, weird guitar, um, and the names of the band, Jello by Afra and East Bay Ray. And there was just something so sort of mystical and magical about it. And then it wasn't just guys singing about girls and motorbikes and animals in the zoo. It all of a sudden was about, you know, he was, he, this guy had a point. You know, he was trying to, he was trying to tell us something. And I don't think I'd, it was the first time I'd heard opinions really. You know, it was 1984 or something. You know, I was nine years old and I'm listening to this song. You're listening
1: was, to the dead cannabis of a nine it, year old. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like really not getting it again, but just being totally enamored by it. And his voice was just so strange. So I not, hadn't heard anything like it. And it kind of stayed with me, you know. I have these weird dead Kennedys kind of landmarks in my ear. Like, I still listen to the Halloween song on Halloween every year. And I, uh, even though Jello by Afra never shuts, so he's the only person in the world that talks more than me. You know, I think someone was saying that if, he was, if he did a GPS voiceover, it'd be the only voice that keeps going like an hour after you've got to your location. Uh, so he's this man that just won't shut up. But maybe, maybe just now saying that to you, I I'd probably identify with that a bit. Let's hear a
1: bit of holiday in Cambodia. First time we've got to play the Dead Kennedys uh, on the last word, anyway. Sw- and I'm delighted you faked it. I swear
0: to God, I think my greatest achievement in radio was getting the Dead Kennedys on Modern Radio. <laughs> that in California Uber alleys, what a pair of
1: incredible songs! <laughs> you also had the Pogues amongst your favourite bands. Yeah, I mean that
0: was just—I mean, I was just years of obsession, and still to this day, even now when I'm holding the new babies, like I have the Pogues on in the background, and it's like I'm trying to indoctrinate them into uh, Irish rock and roll crossover. Born the babies. Oh, they're only, what, 12 weeks now? So. Oh, oh, oh they're brand new. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. And you're indoctrinating them early. I'm oh, getting them into the pogs really early. Probably not the greatest influence <laughs> in the world, but I'm still trying. Okay. Best gig. <laughs> Best gig was I went to James Brown. I think, now, I may have this as a figment of my imagination, but someone else must remember it. I went to see James Brown, and on the lineup, I think at the time, were Van Morrison and BB King. So, that to me is an incredibly Ridiculous lineup that probably never Where was happened. That on? on in the uh, what the Point Depot at the time, uh, but and what I do... were you
1: on at the time? Hmm? You... I was <laughs> on nothing.
0: I actually remember walking in. Uh, I walked in from Clontarf, uh, but I remember the James Brown part so clearly, and it was my favourite kick I've ever seen because he was hardly in it. So. He, the band came on and it was like all this brass and there was all this fanfare and nonsense and then there was all these like women in boxing gloves and, you know, it was like living in America, was playing for like 15 minutes and still no sign of him. And then eventually, this man with white gloves and a tuxedo came on stage and started going, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr... And he couldn't say it and he like dropped to his knees. You know, it was, it was so theatrical. Like, and he goes, Mr... Je- oh, Mr... Oh, and eventually, like after twenty-five minutes, he goes, Mister James Brown, and the whole place went crazy. And he did like four really long songs and disappeared. And it just felt like magic, you know. It was just, uh, it was, and it was like I felt like there was hundred and sixty people on stage. It just felt like it was such a huge production. It was so much fun. We've got a
1: clip not from the point, depot. this apparently <laughs> is from Poland in nineteen ninety-eight. Why Poland? I don't know, but let's hear James Brown perform. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, it's great when you listen to it, you really realise how little he participates in his own music, you know? (laughs) Even in that clip, it's so much of, yeah,
1: yeah, like there's not a lot of of him in it. PJ Gallagher is with us for the Culture Club. His new book is Madhouse. Uh, it's a fantastic story of his life, Where well, we're going to get his other Culture Club choices when we come back after the traffic. Welcome back. PJ Gallagher, who has written his memoir Madhouse, is with us for the Culture Club today. We're moving away from the music, so let's go to movies. Uh, actor or director, and you've gone for. Rocky and yeah. Sylvester Stallone. I
0: even have a Rocky tattoo on my arm from when I was young, right here. It's like a kid slug sort of style Rocky tattoo because uh, the story just captivated me from the moment I saw it. It was one of those uh, that, and for some reason, Clint Eastwood, Any Which Way But Loose, I had on VHS back to back and just watched them over and over and over again. And the character of Rocky just is. I I, I I know this is another one like Meatloaf I'm not messing I really do mean this like Rocky is like the greatest character ever to be on the movies Why? ever because it's all about going the distance so many characters in the 80s and late 70s when Rocky was sort of born I guess it was all about like you know triumphing and become like local boy overcoming, from the herd, adversity. overcoming adversity becomes a champ he loses the first fight in the first movie that's the first that's the biggest part of that movie he doesn't win the fight he Spoiler fights a for
1: pod. those of you who haven't seen Rocky <laughs> yeah. in One, yeah, you had
0: like 46 <laughs> years so you know if you, I don't think about it too much but he loses the fight it's all about going the distance that's the whole point of Rocky it's about having a go and going the distance and if you actually fail it doesn't matter too much Adrian's
1: there waiting for you let's hear a clip in which Rocky's trainer Mickey played by Burgess Meredith warns him about chasing women and losing focus.
2: Hold it
0: hold it rock, you? you drive me crazy as a sloppy because you're all balanced. Let's try this now take this string tie it to both angles leave about two feet of slack. I never had good footwork. Never mind footwork now you're all balanced out Marcian. Had the same problem and this string cured it. The idea that if you can move and you can hit without breaking the string, you can balance, become a very dangerous place. You follow. Okay. We're looking good, Parker. Ah, nice. Thanks. Go. Yeah, that's it.
2: That's it. do not Rock.
0: What? what? How
2: about you give us your other? Get
0: out of here! Don't you ever interrupt me while I'm conducting business. Move your little chicken asses out. Hmm. Listen, kid, you, you lay off that pet shop game. Women weaken legs.
3: Yeah, but
1: I really like this girl, you know. Well, let her train you. Okay, no more fooling around. Hey, okay. I hit it. Women weakened legs, huh? I really like this girl.
0: Well, let her train you. Yeah, yeah, Mickey is great, isn't he? He has so many great lines. I'll kill. He'll kill you to death. Is still my favorite line from
1: Rocky III. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've watched all of them, obviously. i watch a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do go downhill after the first one, but they're still all great.
1: All right. Okay, let's jump on to TV. And, God, you really are a child of the 80s, aren't you? Really? Cheers.
0: Yeah. They were, TV raised me, you know. Like, when the, the, the calm moments in my house was sitting down with the TV on when people weren't going bananas. So, uh, yeah, you got sucked into TV shows. Like, the TV show characters kind of became your best friends, in a way. Um, and I think that's... Why shows like Cheers, like you had these characters and they were so reliable. So there was the funny one, the silly one, the the smart one, the good-looking one. They all had those really clearly... And
1: full of great one-liners. And full
0: of great one-liners. Just uh, the ultimate sitcom. Really the ultimate sitcom. We always think of the ultimate sitcom, this side of the world, and think Only Fools and Horses or Father Ted or... Uh, You know, what else? Faulty towers. But for me, the American stuff was what I, what I loved. I loved all that stuff. I was obsessed with America as a kid. You know, I thought America land was just like, you know, heaven on earth. So the having these windows, these little worlds for me. Uh, getting to tune out and going into these dream things like being... I mean, you're still 11 years old dreaming and sitting in a bar all day. Probably not the best dream to have. But watching the likes of Cheers and laughing your head off, watching your dad laugh his head off, they're just great memories.
1: Well, let's hear a clip from it Cheers. And this is where Lilith, Sam, Fraser and Norm are all involved. And Lilith is looking for parenting advice of all things from Sam. I'll bet
2: my bottom dollar that you're pretty good, mom. Yes, well... Considering that endorsement comes from a perennial Peter Pan with no sense of maturity or obligation You'll excuse me if I don't leap over the bar, embrace you and say, really, Sam, you think so? Well, glad I could be there for you I'm sorry Perhaps I'm just bitter because Fraser is succeeding with our son where I failed He is indeed a better influence on my precious baby Hey, guess what, everybody? Little Frederick beat Clifford at darts. <laughs> Fraser. Uh-oh. What are you doing here? I didn't give my son to you so you could run off and spend the day in a bawdy house. Yes, well, my, my little chopped salad. I mean, we just got here, what, ten minutes ago. Hmm? You're lying. Well, yes, I'm lying, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I thought that Frederick might enjoy himself. Enjoy himself in a bar? He's eleven months old. What kind of values can he learn here? Well, I, I thought the place had a lot to offer. Oh, please! He'll never learn to speak in this environment. Good afternoon, everybody. No. He said, "Mommy."
0: Uh, the um, wonderful cheers. Where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Like, you know, just I, looking forward to the soundtrack every week alone.
1: Have you seen the new Frasier
0: yet? No, I'm it's afraid. It's not
1: bad at all. Oh, really? No, I watched uh, the first two episodes, really enjoyed them. something
0: about it, mate. I'm afraid to watch it in case it spoils a memory.
1: No, it, it actually works. Anyway, what are you watching now? What's the modern day stuff you like?
0: Ah, uh, still, I still like the same old sort of sentimental American nonsense. Like, Ted Lasso is a show I've been most recently totally hooked on. It's just, got, you know, you're looking at me kind no, of like it was it a the way!
1: I lost interest y- in y- it. Really? It's. So- I thought it started really well, and then it just tailed off. Are really you a football bad. fan? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. It's
0: just something just so kind of pant. It, it's like pantomime. I- again, it's very clearly defined characters. You know what that role of that character yeah. is going to be. And Ted's just this pure force of good in a in the world of football, which we now <laughs> know is so corrupt and filled with cash and. You know, uh, egos and... I just, it's just something so nice and easy right, Maybe about I'll it.
1: go back and have a look at it again. <laughs> um, Favourite play or musical or theatre show? You've gone for a marina car play. Yeah, because it was
0: the first show I ever saw on the Abbey. I was a drama student at the time and I didn't know why I wanted to do drama. I just knew I wanted to do something on the stage and I knew I wasn't going to do anything practical because my hands are purely ornamental. So I was like, I have to figure out a way... To, to find something I'm excited about in life. And she did a, a play called The Bogger Cats in the Abbey. It must be in the late 90s now at this stage. And I went in to see The Bogger Cats and it's like, a, a, I can't even remember which one, but it's a play on one of the Greek tragedies or whatever. And it blew my mind, just the performances. It was one of those when it went to Interval just sat there and watched the stage and didn't move because it was like you couldn't have started again quick enough and when it was over like you could remember so much detail it was the actors the way it was pulled off I think it was the, the first time I thought my god I really want to do this but at the same time feeling totally intimidated because you think I'll never be able to do it that well um, and it stuck with me I don't think I've ever seen a live performance that affected me that much since Um, Which is a really lovely thing to be able to say because it was the first play. It really has a, uh, I'm getting a bit ridiculous, but it has a touch of first love off it. Sure. You know, the first kiss, it kind of has a first kiss feeling of it when I think about it.
1: Okay. You've written your book, Madhouse. Do you read a lot? I I, I did. Do you
0: know what I read most? I fell out of love at reading for quite a few years and then I ended up back in St. Pat's. uh, And I sat in St. Pat's and read like a book every few days Um, The other patients used to remark on how much I was reading and I haven't been able to stop since then, so I I just love reading now. Um, And you've picked Liz Nugent for us, Lying in Wait. Yeah, which is, um, I got into her books when I was in the hospital uh, and I had this really weird experience because I loved how... It's probably the worst book to read when you're in a, a mental hospital because she is just so gifted at writing the worst people. Like she writes terrible people magnificently. She just writes them, so, she writes horrible people in the best way. So I was obsessed with these characters she had to the point that I got out of the hospital, sent her a message, and said, Liz, um, your books meant a lot to me. I read them. You don't know me. And she goes, Actually, uh, we have met and we're related, which I didn't know. Really? Yeah. So it was a really weird circle of and She goes, let's meet and have breakfast and I'll tell you why. So, uh, yeah. And now I've just read Strange Sally Diamond and I'm obsessed with that as well.
1: Okay. Well, Liz has been a regular guest here on The Last Word as well. She's also done this culture club for us. Let's hear a little bit from Lying in Wait. This is read by Quilfin Doyle. Done.
3: After dinner, Andrew and I were in the kitchen cleaning up. He was moaning about Lawrence's weight and his uncouth girlfriend. He was being quite cruel about the idea of them being a couple. I did not like her either, but my intuition told me it was a passing fancy. Helen's mother was Angela Darcy, a poet of note, so status-wise she was just about acceptable. But Andrew, so quick to be irritated these days, said, What does she even see in him? And then I saw Lawrence. He had been standing at the kitchen door and heard Andrew's whole tirade. We had allowed Lawrence to have a little wine with dinner to celebrate the fact he was eighteen, but I don't think the drink suited him, because he had this really aggressive, hostile expression on his face when he looked at Andrew, as if he despised him. There are worse things to be than fat, Lawrence said incidentally. Oh dear, please let's not fight, I said, trying to broker a truce, but Andrew ignored me. What are you trying to say? Nothing, said Lawrence, sullen. I'm sorry you heard me say those things. I know I haven't been very well recently. Lawrence left the room abruptly, slamming the door behind him, not allowing his father a chance to apologise. Andrew turned to me. He knows. Don't be so silly, darling. He doesn't know anything. But the way he looks at me. He won't even be alone in the same room as me anymore.
1: From Lying Wait by Liz Nugent, round by Quelfund Don.
3: No, so
0: the head of that book is so horrific, it'll ruin your life in the best way possible. You'll actually love it that it happened.
1: Ruin your life in the best <laughs> way possible. All right, fair enough, yeah, I, you, I, I shouldn't have said that about it, but I think you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> All right, hidden treasure to finish off. And uh, you have definitely come up with something for us that has not been dealt with on the Culture Club previously. Who are the bionic rats?
0: The bionic rats are the greatest Reggae, soul, ska type band that you're ever going to listen to. They're live a lot. Uh, you'll see them mostly in the Foggy Dew, which is a pub Just off Dame kind of, Street. Just off Dame Street. On Sunday nights, they go in there and the bank holiday weekends that they're on... Honestly, just it's such a soulful, fantastic night. You're standing in a pub, people are dancing, there's a brass band. It's all original tracks, I swear to God. No Bottles, No Milk is one of the best songs you'll ever hear. Well, it's actually, just great. Well actually,
1: tell us a little bit more about them once we've heard a bit of No Bottle, No Milk <laughs> from the 2015 album, <laughs> okay, Another Fine just. Mess. Sing bad out of hell, but you're singing away to I'm that I'm singing one. away to
0: that one, yeah. I mean, how does that not put a smile on your face? Dude, it's a heavy mix indeed. How'd you come across the family craft? I came across them, I suppose. I've always been involved in sort of motorbikes and the scooter scene and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of those lads would follow these guys, follow them kind of religiously, to be honest. And uh, I was going to their gigs in the Foggy Dew every so often, just loving it to the point that I actually thought I'd learned the trumpet, <laughs> which did nothing Were but you th-
1: joining in with them? I can see you almost jumping on stage with this lot.
0: I try. yes, I did. I joined one of the nights because I was trying to learn the trumpet but all I did was upset the neighbours and everyone around me it was a failed experiment but still the inspiration was there I still love listening to them Why the trumpet? It felt easier than the saxophone (laughs) (laughs) genuinely easier and cheaper than the saxophone that was it (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right, we leave it there. Thank you very much, PJ <laughs> The gateway drugs to Brass. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great having you. And listen, congratulations again about the book Madhouse. The Naked Truth about my chaotic childhood, losing my mind and finding a place to call home. And you have a great place to call home. So babies now, as you said, 12 weeks old. Yeah, 12 weeks old. Uh, we're getting on with it, Jeff.
0: So I finally get to go home. Excellent PJ Gallagher Thank you The Last Word With
3: Matt Cooper Weekdays from 4.30 Today (laughs) is